As the Anchor Gathering has reconvened for our second year together this August 2023, we're now going to be restarting our walk through what I call the nine slices of the disciples' experience of knowing Jesus right there in the beginnings. So just to bring you up to speed and then we'll dive into this next slice. First, there's encounter with Jesus. Then coming to know his personality and its power. Then the words and teachings of Jesus. Then, of course, they come to that frightful Friday at the cross. Then the resurrection. Then the ascension. Then, and we take this from the book of Hebrews, learning to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Well, back in July, we finished that slice, and now today we start the eighth slice. Talk about glory. But before we get there, I want to ask you a couple questions that you can just ponder in your own mind as you're listening to my voice even right now. After the ascension of Jesus, do you remember where the 11 went? Yes, back into the city, back into Jerusalem, and we're told really back to that upper room, probably the same upper room in which they'd had the Last Supper on the Thursday night before the cross. Next question What, we are told, did they do there? Well, we're told they prayed. And also don't forget that sort of funny historical curiosity. They had a little committee meeting, Peter standing up boldly, as they then drew lots to decide who would be the, let's call him, replacement 12th apostle, Matthias, who we actually never hear anything about ever again. But for a moment, I want us to seriously consider the, let's call them, inherent deficiencies of their position, i.e. who they were in face of their calling and what they were up against. I'll start small and then go bigger. Number one, they were a group of unknown, mostly poor men and women from different backgrounds and differing worldviews. Fishermen zealots, tax collectors, former prostitutes, probably mostly country folks from up around the Galilee. Not exactly a like-minded collective for changing the world. Two, there were 120 of them in a country of perhaps one million people at a time in history where the global population was perhaps, I don't know, 200 to 300 million. Three, They have no written record of the teachings, sayings, or even the signs and wonders given to them by their teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. And fourthly, they also do not have Jesus of Nazareth. Though alive, he has disappeared through the clouds. I mean, they believe back to the throne room of heaven, but nevertheless, he's not right there next to them. So friends, what are their deficiencies? They lack unity. They do not have power. They do not possess a system. They have seemingly lost Jesus. And yet, I want you to consider the things he has asked them to be and to be about. Back the night before the cross, listen to him. Father, I have given them the honor that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, 
that they may grow complete into one, so that the world may realize that you sent me and have loved them as you loved me. Ten days before the Feast of Pentecost, he said, You will be witnesses to me, not only in Jerusalem, not only throughout Judea, not only in Samaria, but to the very ends of the world. Just days before that, he said to them, You then are to go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And not so many days before that, he said to this to them, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So I really want you to understand this picture. 120 people locked in a room who are of many minds, powerless, completely unsure what they really believe and what to do about it, who have lost the only unifying figure their lives have ever known. And these same people have been commanded to be one, to go everywhere, to everyone, to teach everything about the way, which they don't even really know what it is, and they are to source their life and strength from one who has literally flown away, i.e. who is not even there to be abided in. That is the reality of the sunrise of Pentecost. Now, how about you and I consider those very same people at sunset of that very same day? These ones are slowly making their way back to that same upper room. They wind their way through the evening crowds in the streets of Jerusalem. All around them are the normal sights and sounds of a normal end of the day. And yet, where have they been? What have they been doing? Well, just finishing the mass baptism of 3,000 new, delighted disciples of Jesus of Nazareth. To complete this task, they've had to use every pool, every fountain, even the Kidron stream, every body of water they could find near that part of Jerusalem. And as they've now sent those crowds home or to market to find their dinners, as their own sensation of new wine drunkenness subsides onto the mellowing of the evening, as the stars begin shining twinklingly, brilliantly over the capital, as they realize none of them has eaten since the morning time, as they re-enter the upper room, as they seat themselves around that familiar long dinner table, as others then circle all around them on the floor, as they all take a (sighs) collective breath of, of joyous, happy exhaustion, they finally begin comparing notes on each of their initial impressions from that very morning. One of them says, Well, it seemed to start with all those great flaming streaks coming over us. No, says another. First came the wind. The wind was before the flames. Another. Yes, 
and it blew down through the ceiling like there was no ceiling. I first heard it rattling in through the shutters, says another. And then came the fire. Yes, and then came that feeling. A great pause. No one is quite sure how to voice what they've all been feeling all day. Finally, someone tries. It was like he was living his life inside me. My friends, the Jesus who asks for unity, for our work for him to cover the whole world, for cohesion around method and message, for abiding personally, individually in his very life. Well, that same Jesus has guaranteed these ends by giving us the means forever, his Holy Spirit. Where unity seemed impossible, we are granted the one Spirit of God. Where you and I seemed powerless, we are given the motive force by which the Word spoke existence into existence. Where you and I don't feel we have all the answers or enough knowledge, we are given the very mind of Christ. Where we wish we had Jesus still in the flesh, we have Jesus forever in the Spirit. Three observations. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not gentlemanly, is not bound by our expectations, and he will not stick to our little plans. He possesses, seemingly at times violently, he is infinitely beyond all we can ask or imagine. He seems to laugh at our best laid plans, stratagems, clever initiatives. We, and today's worldwide church will never resemble the early church until we come under a complete, individual yet collective submission to this ruling power of the kingdom of heaven. Two, the Holy Spirit's history is the true theology of the Holy Spirit. What he has done is what he is yet willing to do fancy word for you here, pneumatology, the theology of the Holy Spirit, tends to attempt to form a system around the systemless, all-powerful, immeasurable workings of that God person who hovered over the waters before there was anything. Friends, when you hear me say that last sentence to you, don't all our little theologies of the Holy Spirit begin to seem just a little absurd? And three, and by the way, this is a bit of a foreshadowing of where we'll go next time. For those 3,000 people standing directly outside the upper room on that morning of Pentecost, there was no plan except the Holy Spirit in the followers of Jesus. For the nearly 8 billion people living upon the earth in our day, there is no plan except the Holy Spirit in us, today's followers. Thank you for listening.